Hey, J. Crew, it's Mark here in my basement, and this is episode one of The View from My Basement, an occasional series reporting from the front lines of the coronavirus as it affects a family of seven, not including two dogs and a cat, on a sort of light self-quarantine, or at least avoidance of others, creating lots of social distance here in New Haven, Connecticut. I was in shul this morning. I was at synagogue. Uh, Many places canceled services, but my synagogue went ahead with them, not least because there was a pair of twins, two wonderful girls who had been preparing for their bat mitzvah, for their benot mitzvah, becoming daughters of the commandment for a long, long time. And they had a lot of people coming and they went ahead with the show. And so did I. And it turned out that that a lot of people came. I would guess that 63% of the invited guests from within greater New Haven uh, came and uh, not all of them stayed for food afterwards. There seemed to be this funny thing where some people felt it was okay to come, but not okay to eat the food. So they hurried out afterwards, lest they be tempted by the locks and salad and bagels and uh, seltzer that had been prepared last week uh, in the in the synagogue kitchen. It's funny where people draw these lines. And I had a conversation at the Kiddush as people were, were doing the, the motzi, the blessing over the bread and, and over the wine, and we were about to get in line, get some food. I was talking to a friend of mine who works, shall we say, in a, in a white-collar profession. This is someone who doesn't get paid hourly. She is a esteemed professional in a highly credentialed intellectual profession. Let's just say the work she does, the labor she does is intellectual labor. And she has children, uh, young children, and she has a husband who's also in a kind of uh, rarefied field. These are not people with a lot of money, but these are people with a lot of cultural prerogative and jobs where they don't have a boss leaning over them, forcing them to make the widgets faster, right? They have a lot of freedom in their work. And she was saying to me, you know, this coronavirus is obviously very upsetting. And we are both aware of people who, especially because they might have elderly parents uh, who are who are scared, are, um, are scared. Um, that said, she kind of leaned in and she said, you know, Life just got really easy for me. Uh, I mean, she said, yeah, you know, I have to occupy the kids and I'm, I'm doing my best to, to keep them, uh, you know, doing some sort of schoolwork and, and not beating each other up. She said, but all of a sudden, all I have to do for work is my actual work. I'm not interrupted by people popping into my office. I'm not expected to go to some 90-minute lunch with somebody I didn't want to have lunch with. Um, most of the meetings, all of a sudden, we discover are pretty much... Uh, skippable, like we're doing some Zoom or Skype or conference call meetings with fellow workers, but it's amazing how many just get canceled and don't get rescheduled. And she said, all of a sudden, my eight or nine day workday has been concentrated down to the five hours of work that are actual productive labor in the thing that that I do. And I said, you know, I have to be honest, it's it's kind of like that for me too. I mean, the class that I teach, I will be teaching via, I'm going to make my lectures into podcasts, but a lot of students aren't going to come for office hours and a lot of them are going to email me and I'll be able to sort of do all the email replies in batches at night. Um, the podcast is now going to record uh, from our respective homes and and Josh is going to masterfully edit everything together as if we're in the same room, but it means I don't have to go into New York City on Tuesdays. And all of a sudden, even with all of my kids home, even with all of the extra childcare and figuring things out, um, there's kind of a lot more free time. And, you know, here's one of the really strange things. I, I wrote an essay about six or seven years ago when we had one of those Januaries where school was canceled all the time. And I said, look, for all of the misery this causes for a lot of people, especially people who need their hourly wages, especially people who need to get to the hospital or need to get their prescriptions. And I do want to be mindful of those people. I really do. But for a huge sector of society, when 
when work shuts down or when you can't get into the office, a lot of free time opens up and there can actually be something beautiful about that. The the balance of work to leisure or um, professional time to family time shifts in favor of the leisure and the family time, at least for a while. And, you know, for me, one more thing, which is all of a sudden certain obligations that are integral to your being, but are also kind of a pain in the neck lift. So for example, I was supposed to run the children's service at synagogue this morning, but there was no children's service at synagogue this morning. So that's just, you know, people, volunteer jobs that tasks that you were going to do for, for communal organizations, uh, you know, places where you might have offered your time and you felt good about it, but it also was a little bit of an annoyance. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to have lunch with the person you didn't want to have lunch with anyway. Now, look, we don't want life to go on like that. We don't, we, we, we actually want to get back to doing those things that we've committed to do because they make us feel good, even if they're not the most pleasurable thing. We also want to get back into working with other people in the office. We gain from having our colleagues stop by the desk. Uh, we gain from getting away from our families and into that professional space. And then when we return to the family space, we are more excited and, and all the more energetic about seeing our loved ones, our children, uh, our roommates, our dogs. But this kind of enforced respite does have an upside. And I would I would be lying if I pretended that it didn't. So I think we can hold both things at once. I think we can say that, yes, uh, sickness is is bad. And um, and I, I really do hope and pray that this passes with a minimum of dislocation for people, a minimum of suffering, a minimum of lost income. And at the same time, part of our job, uh, I think, if we're leading authentic lives is to accept the upside of things as well and to revel in it and and also to use that upside to balance out uh, the downside and and to 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 seize joy where we can. So um you know for those of you who don't have to do a 45 minute commute tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon, you know, at least love that. Love that for the moment. Now as it happens, I was talking about this, about the the aspects of quarantine that could be kind of pleasurable with my daughter Clara, who is nine years old and in fourth grade. Um Clara, come say hi to everyone. Say hi to the J Crew. Now, do you understand? Here, sit on my lap because that well, we have one microphone. Do you understand what the J Crew is? I think it's the people who like listen to your podcasts. Yeah. What do you think it stands for? Do you know? Jewish Crew. Yeah, the Jew Crew. Exactly, the J Crew. But see, it's a pun because there's also the clothing company J Crew. Did you know that? That there's a clothing. Well, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, you knew that. You're not stupid. So anyway, <laughs> um, so where did you where did you get your idea about quarantine? Like when if I'd said to you a month ago, what's a quarantine? What would you have told me, and how would you have known? Um, I would have told you it's where because of sickness, you like can't go out, you have to stay in the house and you can't make contact with other people. And I know that because when I was really little, um, my mom would read these books to me, the Sydney Taylor books. Yeah. And so you learned about it. So you were talking to me about this and I said, Clara, why don't you put that all down? Why don't you write an essay about your understanding of quarantine and, and how it's changed? And you... And you did. This took you about 17 minutes to write or so. <laughs> you're, you're speedy. You're speedy. You got that. You got that yeah. from your dad. All right. So um, will you will you read your essay for us now? This, I gave it a title. I called it All of a Kind Quarantine. Um, and this is Clara Oppenheimer. So go ahead. When I was very little, like about two years old, my mom would read C. 
Sydney Taylor's All of a Kind Family books to me. Those are a series of books by Sydney Taylor published from 1951 to 1978 featuring a family with five girls and later one son growing up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. My favorite chapter was the one in the first All of a Kind Family book in which the children got scarlet fever and are quarantined. I always thought it would be such fun if we got quarantined and when we played doctor I would always tell the patient that they had scarlet fever and must be warned. Little did I know, there would be a time seven years later when I got to experience this for, for myself. Needless to say, quarantine isn't as fun as it sounds in books. Perhaps it sounded better in all of a kind family because Henny and the others were very good natured about it, made it seem like not such a big deal. Maybe it's because most of the other ones were sick anyway, so they wouldn't have gone on playdates or gone to school anyway. Maybe it's because they have a friend, Charlie, one of Papa's fellow peddlers, to stop by and ask after us and bring us little presents to ask Mama if there's anything he can do. On Thursday, when I heard that schools in New Haven were closing beginning the next day, I didn't think of it as quarantine, a word I hadn't thought of in years. I just knew that this week, the week I had christened my wonder week, was coming apart even more. My school field trip to the Connecticut Science Center had been canceled. Then my trip to Andy's bounce barn with my dad. Then my friend Karen's birthday party. All thanks to COVID-19, all these things have been canceled. But even then, I didn't think of it as quarantine. Until the next morning, when my mother mentioned the Q word, and I understood that that is what it is. I do understand that this is a kind of self-quarantine, and people ordered to be quarantined have it much, much worse than I do. At first, I was excited to hear quarantine in real life. But then it struck me that quarantine in books is better than this kind of quarantine in real life. I wanted to go over to my friend's house, but like Henny, I couldn't. Like little Gertie, my younger sister Anna finds the quarantine rather exciting and says she just can't help being excited about the vacation from school. But unlike third youngest Charlotte, I'm having a hard time finding the positive side to the drama of quarantine. In the All of a Kind family books, Gertie and Charlotte think that the quarantine is fun and delight in the sign that is hung upon the door. Sydney Taylor writes, quote, Charlotte and Gertie were excited. Scarlet fever in the house. That made them important. Imagine they were even going to put a sign on the door to let everybody know about it. Unquote. But we have no sign. And though Anna thinks that quarantine is a little exciting, I can't help being upset. When I was little, I thought quarantine would be fun. This past week has proved me wrong. And it must be far worse for people on forced quarantine. But for me, I think we all need to try and be positive, even if we don't have a Charlie the Peddler. Now when I have children, I can read all of a kind family to them, and I can tell them that I too have experienced quarantine. Clara James Oppenheimer, thank you for contributing to Unorthodox. Love you. What you gonna go do now? Watch TV. Okay, she has to go watch TV now. Uh, Clara James Oppenheimer with All of a Kind Quarantine. So there you have it, right? There is this sense that quarantine that, uh, which again, you know, this is, there's no National Guard standing outside my house, no one pointing guns keeping me inside. Uh, I don't mean to, to be overly dramatic, but there is this sense that maybe there's an upside, right? Where you you get to get to be forced to slow down and, and be with your loved ones. Um, it's It's not unlike being, uh, in the midst of a massive snowstorm or a hurricane that shuts everything down. And when it doesn't come for you big, when it comes for you just a little, 
it can actually be quite wonderful. So uh, all sort of hopes and prayers going out to the people for whom it comes big. And for those of you to whom it's come a little, I wish you much Monopoly, Scrabble, Quirkle, all of a kind family, 80s movies, popcorn, and whatever you need to get you through the next few weeks. Please know that I and the rest of the unorthodox team will be there with you. From my basement, it's Mark. Shalom, Shalom friends. friends. Watch the satellites explode